Welcome to Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino. I am your host. Thanks for joining me today. Fides is Latin for truth, and that's our complete focus is the truth on this podcast. Uh, the music you're listening to is my friend Frank Camp. Uh, this song is called Heaven Can Wait. You can find it on Spotify. It's great stuff with lots of great music. Uh, but let's get into this episode of Fides Podcast. Thanks for listening, and let's get okay, and to well, it. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Fides Podcast. Again, my name is Jerry Serino. I am your host. You could reach me at uh, jerry at fidespodcast.com. That's jerry at fidespodcast.com. Um, Fides, as I always say, is, is Latin for knowledge, faith, truth. Uh, being most important, and uh, that's what we do here is truth. And I, uh, I have the privilege of having my guest today uh, is an international pro-life speaker and attorney. Uh, her name is Rebecca Kiesling. Rebecca, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure, and and uh, you have a, a very inspiring story. Your uh, uh, your story and the talks that you give and um, the. The witness, I guess, that you give is is essentially called um, conceived in rape, targeted for abortion. And that kind of, in one sentence, a very short sentence, kind of sums up your whole story. Uh, Would you mind with, you know, don't you have a great, great website, which I'll recommend everyone goes to and gets the full story and and reads more about you. But would you mind just giving us a, a little bit of a background into that story? My story is that I was conceived when my birth mother was abducted at knife point by a serial rapist. She was really happy to meet me when I was 19, but told me that if abortion had been legal, she would have aborted me. In fact, she went to two illegal abortions and I was almost aborted, but she backed out because of fear for her own safety and because it was illegal. And she told me that it should have been her right. Okay. And uh, six years later, she changed her mind about abortion. And now decades later, we're both so thankful that we were both protected by Michigan law four years before Roe versus Wade. Wow. Okay. And it, so what was it um, that, that caused your birth mother to change her views? It was actually my niece was in an unplanned pregnancy with her first great grandchild, my birth mother's first great grandchild. Oh, wow. Okay. And so that experience just, just, just was a revelation to her, I guess. Yeah. It was a teen pregnancy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And she was so grateful to have her grand, her great grandchild. Yeah, absolutely. That that's really great. That's inspiring to hear. So, yeah, I mean, your your story on your website goes into a little bit more detail, and it's and, it, and it's very you know it's very gut wrenching, uh, to be honest with you, as anyone can imagine, because your situation is one in which even pro lifers will will often say is except for the a case of rape, right? I'm pro life except for the case of rape, and you actually point talk specifically about that uh, in a lot of your talks. Can you address that aspect? Well, of course, when they make the exception, you know, they're, they're talking about my life. Mm-hmm. And so many people, they don't put a face to the issue. They just summarily um, devalue the life of, a, of another living human being. 
I think it's very, it's like saying to me, I think your mother should have been able to abort you. Like if I had my way, you'd be dead right now. And that's the reality Mm -hmm. with which I live. And I noticed that you don't have people advocating for rape victims to be able to pay someone to kill her rapist, Mm -hmm. just her innocent child. But that's what an abortion is. A- abortion is hiring a paid assassin. I mean, it's it's a hired hit, you know? Right. And can you imagine, as a man, um, if someone had proposed that rape victims should be allowed to just hire somebody, if it became the law that a rape victim could just hire someone to say she's raped and she's uh, and she's allowed to pay someone to have you killed. Because mm-hmm. she says she was raped. Right. Wouldn't you be like, whoa, 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 wait a second. You know, mm-hmm. um, what about my due process rights? You right. know, and you're, but you're not even talking about really killing the alleged rapist. You're talking about the innocent child. Right. And according to the U.S. Supreme Court in Coker versus Georgia, rapists do not deserve the death penalty. And in the second case of Kennedy v. Louisiana, the court said that even for child molesters, it's cruel and unusual punishment. So how is it that I, as the innocent child, deserve the death penalty for his crime? Yeah, that you know, I'd actually never looked at it or heard it talked about that way as far as we can't give the death penalty to the rapist, but we can the child. Um, I, I never thought about it that way. And that's, that's very profound. I, I did find very moving in your, um, in, in your, from your website and your story about how you did say that essentially when someone says, except for the, except for a, a rape or incest is that they're telling me, they're looking me in the eyes as a living, breathing human being that, you know, I should have been killed. And it really puts a, you know, and unique perspective on it, because usually you're not talking to someone who was in that situation like you, mm-hmm. you know, um, so that, that yeah, does affect people. Yeah. You know, I've literally had pro abortion activists tell me that I changed their mind. There was a wow. pro abortion activist who had showed up topless when a priest spoke uh, for the students for life at an event. Mm-hmm. And um, she was there for my event and she asked challenging questions during the Q&A and she came up afterwards, had been one of the most vocal voices on campus. And she came up to me and asked to speak privately and she started crying and Mm -hmm. she told me she never thought anybody could ever change her mind. She was raped when she was younger and I told her I'm so sorry. And she's like, please let me finish. And she's like, I'm not going to have any friends after this. My, all my friends over there are so angry that I'm here talking to you. And she just said, but you're a good person. And she said, I cannot look you in the eyes and say those things to you. Wow. And that you shouldn't be alive. (laughs) And she's like, you completely changed my mind about abortion. I mean, so it just, you know, it goes to show and and God using me to change the heart of Governor Rick Perry and Newt Mm -hmm. Gingrich during their presidential campaigns. Um, So, you know, you you can change hearts and minds through personal stories and and also, you know, explaining the principle Mm -hmm. through the story. Wow, that that's a that's an amazing story, actually, because you never you never think about changing, having the ability to change someone's mind 
during a conversation or a talk, usually it's like, you know, it takes them 10 years to get there. Uh, so that that's very profound. So anyone listening, um, if you want a phenomenal speaker, I think Rebecca is um, at one of your events. Rebecca is definitely a choice. Um, I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, an interesting choice of word yeah. that you call me a choice. What's that? <laughs> interesting choice of words that you called me a choice. Yeah, yeah. In a different context. <laughs> yes, in, in, in that a context, good context, it's okay. Yes. I, I'm I'm okay with it in that context. <laughs> yes, I, yes, thank you. Um, so something that's interesting, and I want to get your comments on, is you do give the story of your your birth mother who went to. Well, first of all, people need to remember is that at, at that time, as you said earlier, abortion was illegal. Um, it, you know, so you and you were in Michigan. Are you still in yeah. Michigan or? Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I like to emphasize, you know, not just that it was illegal, but I was protected. Right. Okay. I was protected. Legality matters. Mm -hmm. Legal protection matters. Being pro-life doesn't mean that you don't like abortion. It doesn't mean saying, oh, I think your life has value. You know, there are women who go into abortion clinics, not liking abortion, Mm -hmm. you know, nobody says, you know, when I grow up, I want to have an abortion. You know, there's, there's some like really radical feminists who might like try to convince you that they feel that way, but you know, nobody likes abortion. Right. Um, and women are bawling their eyes out, going into these clinics, come out crying, you know, and, So that's not what it means to be Mm pro-life. It's about legal protection. Right. Right. And so you, you had that legal protection, thankfully, but your mother, your birth mother went to essentially back alley um, clinics or doctors um, in order to try. um, And you, you tell the story. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, for the first, she said it was an OBGYN's office. Hmm. And she had to go through the back door. Mm-hmm. And like many abortion clinics today, it was filthy. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know if you saw the movie Gosnell. I mean, so many abortion clinics are like that. In Michigan, they shut down like 17 in a, in a short amount of time. The attorney general here, uh, Bill Schutte, a few years ago, you know, actually investigated these clinics and wow. they called them a house of horrors. Yeah. Uh, with deplorable conditions. I mean, yeah. you know, the people who go on to do abortions aren't exactly the most ethical people. Right. And um, it becomes an industry and it's just in and out, in and out, in and out, you know, the, the more they can get through. And, um, and so there, you know, there's blood and dirt and those conditions and the fact that it was illegal caused her back out. And mm-hmm. for the second one, my birth mother was to meet someone at night by the Detroit Institute of Arts ironically next to Rodin's famous thinker statue mm, okay you know th- there's replicas around the world and and there's a huge one in Detroit and um it's interesting that that the thinker actually comes from a verse a, a greater work um called the gates of hell and it's you've got the thinker at the top of the gates of hell and it comes from a verse in Dante's Inferno, where it warns, you know, all who enter here, there's no going back. I mean, Mm -hmm. wow, that was pretty symbolic, you know? Um, And 
the night that she was going to abort me, my aunt was to drive her and she spoke with this abortion doctor on the phone, expressed concern for her safety. He called her stupid. And she said, well, if you're going to call me names, just forget it. And then he went on to swear at her profusely. And she finally just said, forget it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and she hung up the phone on him. He called her back the next day to try to once again, talk her into allowing him to take my life for $500. Mm -hmm. And the same conversation took place. She hung up. There is a documentary film that's used in feminist studies all over the U S and Canada. And it's the only film that had been done on the Back Alley Network. And the name of the film is Back Alley Detroit. Mm. So I could watch this film and see the men who were going to take my life. Right. I know so much. I mean, like time, place, man. I know like all these details of my impending death, like how much money was on my head. Wow. And... I I tell people that, you know, for some people, their near-death experience is waking up out of a coma to -hmm. find out that they are almost killed in an automobile accident. Mm -hmm. And for me, this is my near-death experience. And the fact that I was younger doesn't make it any less significant. Right. And, you know, I wasn't lucky. I was protected. Right. Right. You had the law on your side, ironically. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is, and in, in, in thank you for that very descriptive uh, uh, description of, of the back alley experience and the, and the like. When I read that, uh, your story with that, I thought to myself, you know, I, I had just had a, a, my next actually episode coming up. Um, well, after the, the, today is the, what is today? Today's the 17th of December. I'll be recording this, but on this Sunday, this coming Sunday, I have Janet Morano, uh, Morana on um, my podcast. And she gives a, a really great description of the, as you just did, uh, of the circumstances in existing clinics, not only the filth and the lack of sanitation and things like that, that should be in place for any kind of medical procedure, but also how women were pushed and forced. And she was, you know, people who had worked for Planned Parenthood, for example, were told, don't ever let anyone leave without getting an abortion. And, you know, you don't s- see that in any other medical procedure where you're forcing someone to do something. It, but it, but it was like, well, wait a minute, the back alley abortion environment seems no different than it is now that it's legal, <laughs> right? It's still filthy. There's still pressure. There's still lies. Right. There's still women dying. There's still women women dying exactly. and having their you know uterus perforated and yeah, it, it's really a shame. And it's it's just again, it's it just from a medical perspective, it is not the environment that anyone having any medical procedure should ever be in. Um, yeah. Period. I have a story. friend who's an ER doctor, and she said they they see these women come in; they're mm-hmm. just being butchered. Yeah. You know, and, and it's legal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's just, it's just sad to me for people who, especially the, the, the people who care about healthcare and care about this and that they certainly don't care about actual healthcare. Um, you know, the one last thing I want to um, ask you about is you had, you had mentioned too on your website about your stories, you talk about, yes, there's pain from an, from rape and there's, I mean, 
to me next to murder rape is probably the second worst rape or molestation is the second worst thing that can happen to a person because they have to live with it their whole life and i'm, I'm sim- certainly sympathetic but you would you talked about how um there are studies in in discussions about how actually if a if a rape victim aborts her child that's even more severe yeah. to her yeah they're four times more likely to die within the next year after the abortion as opposed to giving birth, they have a higher mm-hmm. murder rate because the abortion helps perpetuate often helps perpetuate an abusive relationship. We know that sex traffickers, child molesters mm-hmm. love abortion. Rapists love abortion because it destroys the evidence and protects and enables them so they can t- continue perpetrating. And if you search on Facebook and Twitter, like the hashtag rapists love abortion you'll see all the times that we post documented cases you know news stories of repeated abortions repeated rapes repeated abortions and all it did was protect him Mm. they sent her right back so she get pregnant over and over again Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, that's profound. Um, in, in something, again, I hadn't thought about either as far as, um, it, it making it worse, uh, even though obviously it is fairly rare, um, to, to conceive in, in rape, but it does obviously happen. Um, and, and think about how absurd it is to suggest that more violence hmm. in her body, in the exact place where she's just been traumatized is somehow going to bring healing. Mm -hmm. that's absurd but what does bring healing is a baby babies absolutely have a way of bringing healing yeah i think you know you're you're really an inspiring story as obviously you inspired that young woman who came up to you and and i would love to know what uh if there was something specific you had said in particular that kind of nudged her or was it just the whole the whole story the whole sum of everything I think from what she said, the way she described it, it was me explaining uh, conversations that in my speech, I talk about conversations that I'd had with abortion activists, where during Q&A, I literally had these activists raise their hand and say to me, yeah, I just want to say, I have no problem looking you in the eyes and saying to you that I think that your mother should have been able to abort you. And I fully understand that that would mean that you'd be dead right now. And yeah, I just want to say, I have no problem doing that. (laughs) And I'd say to that, you know, to the audience, you know, and this is out of her care for women that she would say such a thing to a woman like me, like, I don't feel the love, you know, and then the whole room laughs because they realize like, yeah, it's absurd. Of course, she doesn't care about women. It's nothing to do with caring about women, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And I I think that that was it. She just said, I I can't say those things to you. I can't, you're a good person. I can't, I can't look at you nice and say those things. Yeah. So I think that's what she was talking about. And then I also talk about like the names that were called, were called demon seed, evil seed, horrible reminder, rapist child, never rape victims child. And that's who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm the child of a rape victim. No, I get called rapist child, um, which is suggesting that he should have rights to the child. 
Right. Like the right. audacity after everything she's been through, really. Um, and um, I've got called rape trophy, hmm. rape apologist. Like I'm defending rape. And I explain to people, look, you can be pro-law enforcement, but not pro-crime, even though it's true that if it weren't for crime, there'd be no law enforcement. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, that's like the absurdity of what they're trying to say that, oh, you're pro-rape, you know, because, oh, they, then, oh, if your birth mother hadn't been raped, you wouldn't be here. I mean, there's a difference. I'm talking about like I did exist and I would have been killed. Mm -hmm. I'm not promoting rape. I'm not pro-rape. I, I wouldn't have existed. The point is that once I existed, I shouldn't have been killed. Right. You know? Yeah. No, I, I love hearing your passion in that because it's, it's very, very well put. And by the way, I, I love your imitation of uh, <laughs> the those I, I I go. I was picturing someone in one of those pink hats at these rallies. There, these people are so full of anger and hate, and oh yet they claim to be the the people or the party of of love and everybody cares. And it's it's really. It's That's really funny fun. that you say that because when I speak on you like high school and university mm -hmm. campuses, I have students say to me. I love your voices, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It's so funny and it's so true what, what you just did. So no, that it's was just, great. I've heard it so many times. I've got them pegged, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, gosh, I, I, I could continue talking to you for a really, really long time. I don't want to keep you any longer than I already have. Um, can you just, you know, give, give I want to give you this opportunity to let everybody listening know where they can um, hear more about your story, uh, find out more um, sure. about all that you do. And, you know, if certainly if interested in a, in a phenomenal pro-life speaker who obviously changes people's minds, uh, Rebecca is uh, someone you should do. So if you could maybe, you know, give a little plug there for yourself. So my website is RebeccaKiesling.com. My organization is Save the One. So I would love for you to visit Save the One. And that's the number one, not the word one, SaveTheOne.com. And we have a, a hundred, hundreds of blogs with stories conceived in rape, mothers from rape, poster border from rape. I have a global network of over a thousand who are conceived in rape and mothers who became pregnant by rape. And um, as well as... Uh, hundreds who are told by doctors to abort. So we specialize in defending all of the so-called difficult cases through our personal stories. That's right. So you're That's an attorney, it. you're an attorney as well. So yes, yes. yeah, that, that is, uh, that is important. And what, a, what, a, you know, what a phenomenal life, you know, obviously Thank you. That, that you, um, you've achieved and thank you. Uh, it's really, really quite wonderful. So again, thank you, Rebecca Kiesling, uh, you. you know, great, great story, great inspiration. Uh, please go to save the one, the number one, dot com. Uh, uh, Rebecca's last name is spelled K-I-E-S-S-L-I-N-G. And so you can just even search her and find everything about her. And again, if uh, you're looking for a great speaker, uh, she is definitely one, one I've really enjoyed talking to. So Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on Fides podcast. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Okay. My pleasure. All right. Bye. And uh, thanks for everyone listening for another episode of Fides Podcast. Uh, I appreciate you being here. Uh, Rebecca has been a phenomenal guest. Uh, please uh, stay tuned for the next episode, and uh, we'll all see you soon.